football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Silver Sevens. We got hockey going down here later tonight. VGK and Nashville, 77 cent beers during all Golden Knights games, regular season, and the playoff. Hopefully the playoffs. We need Jim Mora, right? Playoffs. Uh, also, 77 cent beers, WrestleMania, March Madness. When the games are on, 77 cents on bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and McUltra here at the Bud Light Lounge, and also at the Silver and Gold Bar. We've got uh, games coming up. We're on early because we're getting out of the way for the Sweet 16. So we got games coming up and roughly like 409, 429. Don't hold me to that. I think that's when they come up. Uh, so that'll be here on ESPN Las Vegas. Football time. Uh, news out of Texas and don't want to sound celebratory, so ignore my t- You know, I don't sound melancholy enough, but uh, grand jury looking at Deshaun Watson in the most recent allegation. This was a different county than the one that kicked away the uh, previous allegations. Are you good with pronunciation? Any clue? Uh, Is it Brazoria? Brazoria would probably be right. Brazoria County Grand Jury has declined to indict Deshaun Watson in this latest case. So I guess the Browns can breathe a sigh of relief, but it's not over. Again, he still has these civil cases hanging over him. Well, and the potential suspension from the league. And the potential suspension. Um, which, again, I've I've said I'm more than certain he's, his people are going to argue that he already had a 16-game suspension. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. I was reading a tweet from our buddy Anthony Lima at the fan Cleveland, and he was saying that just about every guest they've had on, NFL, I don't know if they have attorneys on, but NFL guests they've had on, you know, national NFL guest expects a suspension. Yeah. Oh, I I think they're, they're like not gonna like, be. as he put it, like not you know not good news for the Browns. Suspension expected. Well, we this season. Yeah, he's getting a six game suspension. It's a it's a NFL mandated rule. He's getting six games. Um, I know you love that because when they announced that, probably now in 2014, and you immediately said they'll never stick to that. They did, it didn't last a week. Yeah, they, they'll never stick to that. I heard Amber Wilson yesterday on ESPN National with Canty, and she was like, well, six-game suspension because that's the rule. I'm like, not really. No. It could not. be a year. It could be two games. Um, you never know. Right, but the, I think he's going to get either six or eight, and then on the appeal they'll say, hey, he already got 16. And then we'll see if they if they reduce it, how, they, how that plays out. I will say, like, the Browns are now the favorites to win the division. So at least at sports books they expect at some point he's playing. For the Browns, um, and, we'll, and we'll see how long it is. I, I do think there's going to be a suspension of some sort for Deshaun, but for people that are out again, he's not. It's not that he's not guilty. Like, don't you can't dance around and say, "Hey, I told you he didn't do anything." We, we don't know that, but this is the legal system playing out. Evidence was presented to the grand jury, and the grand jury has said there's not enough evidence there to take it to trial. So. People on both sides, I think, are you know are kind of outraged about this, or they're using it as you know either celebration or anger or whatever it is. But I, all you can all you can ask for is that the the legal system plays out the way that it's supposed to. And you know, in this case, may, maybe you think it's fair, maybe you think it's not fair. But evidence was presented, and the grand jury said there's not enough there. Again, doesn't mean he's not guilty. Doesn't mean he is guilty, and that there's, he's getting away with something. It just means that when all the evidence presented in a factual way and not 
through our lens or not through the lens that we want to when it's presented in a factual way the grand jury said no and that and again really really difficult in in sexual assault cases between you know victims not being comfortable with the situation and between people not being believed and and the way evidence is able to be presented like all those things make it very difficult and probably we need to look at how that happens in the system but the way the system is he's not being prosecuted for this Kansas City Chiefs move on from Tyreek Hill yesterday trade him to the Dolphins get a boatload of picks today they sign the Packers receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling deal worth upwards of 36 million dollars I saw some you know innocuous tweets saying hey they signed MVS to replace Tyreek Hill. I saw who's the guy who's the uh, the Raiders fan guy who's covered the Raiders forever. Who always goes at it with Vinny Silver. Yeah. I saw him retweet it and say like laugh out loud. Like okay, we understand he's not directly replacing Tyreek Hill, but you did make a good point. If and they're different body types, but if you want sure. speed for speed, they did just sign a speed guy. Yeah, again, Tyreek Hill was the second fastest clocked player in the league last year. The first was MVS. So, you know, you, you could say on a play-to-play basis he's not as fast. Uh, he definitely doesn't know how to use the speed the same way. We've seen that. Um, and he doesn't have the same kind of – I mean, how, how often were Tyreek Hill's big plays, you know, a play breaks down, Mahomes scrambles around, Tyreek Hill knows to just take off and he goes and gets it. Like, they're not going to have that, that chemistry, that understanding of each other right away. But pure speed for speed. How many guys cut the wrong angle for the Bills against Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. they're like, oh, crap, he's faster than I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they went and got a speed guy. That's that's what they wanted. That's what they, that's what they did, and they're going to get more guys now. J.D. McKissick to the Bills. Wait, no? No. What happened? Uh, well, we did learn last week that J.D. McKissick changed his mind. Remember, there is that two-day negotiating period where you can negotiate, but you can't sign. Uh, we've seen that kind of in the NBA play out in weird ways of – you know, guys being held hostage in their own home by teams, things like that, uh, that have gone on. Uh, in this case, J.D. McKissick agreed to a deal with the Bills. And I think a lot of people around the Bills were very excited about that signing. It might sound like a, you know, not not you know, not an exciting signing, not a game-changing signing. But the Bills were thinking, hey, third down receiving back in this offense will be very, very important for this team uh, will work very well with what they need uh, up in Buffalo. And J.D. McKissick, when it was time to actually sign the deal, said, thanks but no thanks. Sorry, I'm going back to the Commanders for whatever reason. Somebody wants to play for the Commanders. I'm not sure. Uh, but he did go back to the Commanders. The Bills are not happy with the Commanders, not with J.D. McKissick. The Bills said, Brandon Bean, the GM, when he was talking about this yesterday, said, you know what? We had a deal with him. Teams are supposed to respect that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And teams aren't supposed to come back and say, hey, we'll give you the same deal. Because what the commanders did is, it, from the commander's perspective, what they said is, we didn't offer J.D. McKissick a contract. We told him, go out, get your best deal, and we'll match it. And so that's why they didn't offer him a contract. And when McKissick came back and said, all right, I, I agreed to a deal with the Bills. Here's what it is. They said, all right, cool, we'll give you the same thing. And that's when he decided to come back. And the Bills say, hey, that's not how it works. We agreed. Leave him alone. But I don't think that's how it works either. Like, there's a reason there's a negotiating period and that you can't sign. 
Okay. I want to follow up on this because uh, I feel like the Jets had a deal with Tyreek Hill, and that changed because <laughs> the Dolphins came in. Okay, folks, I'm just prepping you. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you've noticed we pretty much curbed most Buffalo Bills talk and eliminated it from the show because Adam has turned into an anti-Bills lunatic. Dolphins fan. This is where I'm scared. We're going to bring in one of the dudes who's covered the Dolphins for a long time, radio host in South Florida, between the Dolphins themselves, Tyreek Hill Speed, and Coach Mike McDaniel. This spot could get completely out of control in terms of a sickening love fest. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Hey. Cofield and Company, down at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Adam Hill trying to suppress his joy. Newly minted Dolphin fan because of Yale's Mike McDaniel. Now, as you call it, the offense that he brings with him is... Football porn? Like football porn. And now you've got... I guess I won't keep going with the porn analogies, but... Yeah, something about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, stop now. It's not... It's, it's going in the wrong direction. For sure. But yeah, I'm, Hand I'm, it off to Tyreek for the money shot. All right, I had to do it. Uh, Alex Dono is with us from Five Reasons Sports, a longtime sports talk host in Miami. Alex, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I love the analogy. Football porn. I might have to use that, and hopefully we get something like that on the field this coming yes. season. Uh, it's been an exciting couple of days, that's for sure. All right, talk about the reaction in Miami and then how this thing came together. They gave up a lot, but they get one of the great players, game breakers in the NFL. Well, it was, it was purely stunning, guys, because um, there really had, nothing had leaked out about any sort of negotiation for Tyreek Hill until about uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday when Adam Schefter started tweeting about it, that Hill was on the trade block and that the Jets and the Dolphins were interested. Uh, it was really the first anybody I know of had actually heard anything about it, and then within an hour it was it was done to the Dolphins, so it was... It was really the opposite of what they had had for the previous few days. They had, you know, what was a, a kind of a long uh, silence in negotiations with Teron Armstead, the left tackle, who they signed like 12 hours before Tyreek Hill arrived. Everyone was in limbo for a couple of days. What's going on with Armstead? And then the Hill thing materializes very, very quickly. Uh, from what I've seen, what facilitated this deal getting done, I think Dolphin fans owe a big thank you to Devontae Adams. Of course, you guys know very well now over there in Vegas that uh, that once uh, once Devontae Adams got his contract and kind of set the market, that was something that Tyreek Hill used as the benchmark for what he wanted from Kansas City, and they were able to meet that. Um, it apparently KC from earlier this month. Uh, they didn't really fight Tyreek Hill on his trade request. They were they were willing to get something done. Uh, they started calling teams around the NFL. Hill's agent is Drew Rosenhaus, who lives in Miami and has a good relationship with the Dolphins. So uh, I, I think he probably helped facilitate this as well. And, yeah, they, they did give up a lot for him, and he's expensive. Uh, I do think that in terms of the draft compensation that the Dolphins sent to Kansas City, um, I personally, I don't feel like they really overpaid because the first rounder that they gave is the 29th overall pick for this year, which was actually San Francisco's pick that the Dolphins uh, acquired in a trade last year. So it's not a high first-round pick. 
They also give up their second-round pick this year, but the Dolphins have two first-round picks next year. They didn't have to give up either of those. In addition to the first and second-round pick, uh, they gave up a fourth-rounder this year, and then I believe it was a fourth and a sixth-rounder for next year. So obviously it's a lot of picks, but you have to give up a lot of picks to get a player like that. And I, I think it's a, it's a great deal, and it was one of those very pleasant surprises you can get during a crazy offseason like this one. Is there it lost in, or maybe maybe it gets lost in the initial just celebration that you're getting, you know, one of the elite wide receivers in the league? Was there any thought of like, wait, why are they so willing to give him up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know that one of the uh, w- one of the you know, possible, uh, you know, th- outside of the, the financials, because uh, obviously he was asking for a lot in Kansas City, maybe wasn't in a great position to pay it. But when I when I was re- reading some of the uh, the reports about you know how uh, what the response was when Kansas City started calling other teams, maybe that some teams felt like we don't want to make this move because this guy's a little bit of a diva. I saw that word thrown around for Tyree Kill, um, so that that could be a factor here. Um, I, I, I hope that the, the financial stuff was the bigger factor there, um, and I was a little bit surprised, and I know I'm not the only person to bring this up, but uh, you know when, when we found out that Tyree Kill was on the trade block, I, I would have thought the Green Bay Packers would be super aggressive, and apparently they weren't. Yeah, there's also lingering heel issues, which are never probably a great thing. Um, yeah, it's a good point as well. Yeah, that, and, and it's funny you bring that up because that, that has not been talked about a lot down here because I think they're still sort of in the celebration phase. <laughs> right. Sorry to, sorry to ruin it. That's what I do. I ruin yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Alex Donnell, Five Reasons Sports, long-time in Miami. All right, so Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Waddle's just in the league, and he's not as accomplished as Tyreek Hill. How do those guys both work in an offense? That, that is a, an excellent question. I think if there's anyone creative enough to figure that out, it would probably be Mike McDaniel. Um, I, think, I think certainly either of them could line up in the slot. Maybe both of them uh, line up in the slot. I think the formations are going to get creative. I mean, there's, there's going to be creativity as well for the Dolphins, uh, the way that they use Mike Gesicki, uh, their tight end, who really can't block worth a lick. So he, gets in, he, he ends up getting used as more of a wide receiver than anything, and I think it's also you know it's possible uh, more so for Tyree Hill than Jalen Waddle. You might line him up sometimes in the backfield in the shotgun, and and, uh, and you know he can he can maybe maybe do some things running out of the backfield as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's going to take some creativity. You know, they also uh, signed uh, Cedric Wilson, the receiver from Dallas. So you know between the three of those, those are going to be your top receivers. You know, Devontae Parker is also at least at the moment on the roster. I think there is a chance. He might get moved because, from what I understand, the Dolphins may be looking at some more trade possibilities, and that seems like a guy who could be sent the other way in a possible trade. But yeah, I mean, as far as as far as what this offense could look like, it's your right to bring it up because Waddle, Waddle and Tyree Kill are similar players. In fact, when when Waddle was drafted, one of the draft comps you would see everywhere is you know reminds people of Tyree Kill, and now the Dolphins have both. They got to find a way to get them both on the field. The debate over Tua, and I'm sure it's been it, it was already raging. Now you're like, hey, you got all these great receivers. Where are you in that debate, and where's the market right now on Tua? Yeah, I'm I'm not nearly as high on Tua as a lot of Dolphins fans are, and he is a polarizing guy. There are some Dolphin fans who are like kind of unreasonable with just how much they trash him. There are other Dolphin fans that seem to be trying to put him in the Hall of Fame already, which I kind of think to be ridiculous. Really, like, I think I think he's limited. Uh, I think that's 
pretty well-known, doesn't have the strongest arm. He also was kind of inconsistent with throwing some bad interceptions at bad times last year. Uh, but I certainly think you know, he I, I think he can be good enough now with a lot more time to throw and a lot more weapons because they've truly revolutionized this offense. I mean, they've added two premier offensive linemen. They've added a, a premier wide receiver. They've improved the running backfield. Uh, you know, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds are both on board now with the Dolphins. So there, there's, the way I look at it, guys, is there, there's really no excuse. I mean, if if Tua can't vastly improve, because really all he has to do is uh, manage games and just get the football out quickly and accurately, and players like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle can pick up big-time yards after the catch. So, you know, he, he doesn't have to be John Elway in his prime or Dan Marino in his prime, you know, to get the football out to these weapons. So there's really no excuse for Tua this year. And you know, th- things to me uh, weren't going so great the last two years for him, his first two years in the league. But uh, to be fair, uh, he had, you know, last year statistically the worst offensive line in the NFL and inconsistency at wide receiver. Uh, this year, as long as everybody stays relatively healthy, those problems should be fixed. So um, I think the table is set for him to make a big leap in the third year. It's up to him to take that leap. So. You you follow much more closely than I do. I've only been a fan for about a month and a half uh, of the Dolphins. Um, but it, are we sure Tua is the quarterback? Because they're putting a lot into the left side of the offensive line, right? Which wouldn't make that much sense for a left-handed quarterback. Yeah, that that, that gets talked about a lot. I, I think in this case, with the left side of the offensive line, I think that they've been basically going after best players available because Teron Armstead, to me, a lot better than the right tackles who are available, and it's it's still important. I mean, you have a left-handed quarterback, so the the blind side is on the right side, but still, most of the best pass rushers line up on the offense's left side, and he rolls out to the left a lot, so the protection there is important. Um, I, I I think to me, it's it's more that's just the way that they're choosing to build it so far, and you know, to, the whole thing about to whether two is the guy. Um, I think he's the guy for at least one more year. I think they'd be in a pretty good position a year from now to move on if, if they decide he's not cutting the mustard. Uh, they, they did bring in Teddy Bridgewater uh, to be the backup this year because uh, Jacoby Brissett was the backup last year. He played a handful of games because it was injured, and Brissett was just terrible. So they, they had to go. Like, he played against the Raiders last year. It was not good. Like They had to go out and do something. And, Obviously, Bridgewater is not upper tier, but he's he's been a serviceable starter in the league before. Some people wonder, could there be some competition there? I personally don't think, just based on the rhetoric, I don't think they're going to put uh, Bridgewater even in position to actually compete. I don't think they're going to open it up in training camp. I think they're just going to approach it with Tua being the starter. But that doesn't mean we won't see Bridgewater because, you know, Tua... He's not gotten through an NFL season completely healthy yet. He had the injury trouble going back to Alabama. So just, you know, history would tell you he's probably going to miss a little bit of time this year. And then if Bridgewater does go out there and just play so well, maybe you've got a decision to make after that. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to open up a training camp competition or anything like that. For better or for worse, I think that they're, they're, they're considering Tua to be the man. And I don't think that it makes sense financially anymore, but we don't think Garoppolo is in the mix either. McDaniel going to get his old his old guy? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but before they went out and got Bridgewater, uh, I would have said maybe that would be a possibility. But I, it, it, everything looks like if they make any more moves, 
this offseason, uh, before the draft, of course, if they make any more moves, I think it would either be center or linebacker. I think those are the biggest needs left. I think they can they consider the quarterback position settled. How has my guy, Mike McDaniel, been received? In my, he's a different dude. Like he is not a he does not come across like a head coach, which I love about him. Uh, but how how has the reaction been to him down there? Overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think before he got the job and people just didn't know a lot about him, there was a lot of skepticism just because, hey, wait, this guy, he's a coordinator, no head coaching experience, didn't really call the plays, I don't know about this. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of deep study on him before he got the job. And, and like anyone else, the, the more research you do on this guy, the more you respect what he's done tweaking that Shanahan offense over the years and, and his interview, like his interviews are fantastic. And everybody knows about that. Now he's spoken, he's spoken to the media, um, several occasions by this point, did his press conference, did a lot of interviews locally. So I, I he's won over a lot of fans already, right? I mean, it, it, winning over fans in the off season is one thing. He's still got to actually show it with the team on the field, but no, he's, he's been received in an overwhelmingly positive manner, I know. I know a lot of, uh, especially with like younger people, like uh, in their in their twenties. Like I, I work with a lot of dudes around that age group. I'm one of I'm one of the older guys at Five Reasons Sports, and a lot of like the, the mid mid late twenties are just really kind of obsessed with his personality and his approach, and it, it's been infectious so far. That all said, don't you think there are some old guard fans, and especially in the media? If they get out to like a one and four start, and this guy is unconventional football guy, you know, not screaming and yelling and big galoot dude, aren't there going to be old guard people who are like, "Who is this nerd?" Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I can already kind of predict which newspaper guys are going to write which columns, right? Because you know, every everybody has their niche. There's going to be some of that for sure, uh, because I, th- I think any time, and, and also um, there, there's everyone has a little bit of a guard, you know, among the Dolphins fan base because so many of the coaches that they've hired in the last 15 years have been coordinators without head coaching experience. That I, I think that's going to come up in a big way. That if uh, if he gets out to a rough start, then I think there are a lot of people are writing, "Oh no, they screwed up again. They should have hired a proven commodity instead of trying to build up a coordinator." So. There's definitely going to be a lot of that, and you know, I, I know a, a lot of markets around the NFL. I'm sure are like this, but it, it's a very, it's a very reactionary market. When when things are going well, you tend to oversell it, and when things aren't going so well, you tend to nitpick it probably a little too much. Alex Donald's with us in Miami. Uh, tell people here in Vegas about what you guys are doing with Five Reasons Sports, uh, kind of going away from terrestrial traditional sports talk radio. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, we keep it primarily local to South Florida. Uh, there there are a few like I, I do a combat sports show that does a lot of national stuff and international stuff. We have a Formula One show now, which is obviously very international. But yeah, primarily we cover the local South Florida teams, Dolphins and Heat being uh, the biggest ones that we cover. We do it on YouTube on the Five Reasons Sports Network, and we also do it through anywhere you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Google Play. So if, if you're interested in, uh, even if you're not a South Florida sports fan, you might be interested in what we're up to down here after moves like Tyreek Hill. You want to check it out. Five Reasons Sports on YouTube. ton of programming, interact, uh, keep people informed, all that good stuff. One more thing on Mike McDaniel. Uh, Adam Hill had pointed out an interview that McDaniel did on the McAfee show. Did you watch that? 
I watched parts of it. It was okay. long. I, I watched some of the clips. Yeah, I, he, I, I don't um, know if there's something specific you're well, referring to, I, but I, 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 he was great on that. I'd like you to go watch it. He seemed like he was whacked. Really? <laughs> so I like, but it, but it's like that. That to me, in the off season, it's kind of an interesting discussion. I have no yeah. idea what the guy does in his free time, but like, if an NFL okay. coach went on and was, you know, had, I don't know what's the term. Is he? Are you blazed or are you just blazed? I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm not a weed guy. Um, but I just, I wonder what the reaction would be like. He seemed really kind of chill. <laughs> I don't, I'd, I'd always heard, I, I was never sure if it was just like people just talking rumors, but I, I kind of heard that that was, that was something that he's really into. So I, I don't know. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that was legit. Oh, watch out. Go- Governor DeSantis could be, <laughs> could, could be sending someone after Mike McDaniel. That, that's what I, I have no idea. But DeSantis might smoke weed beyond belief. I have no idea. I don't think so. You don't think so? It would would go against his image? But to be be clear, McAfee does, and he's open about it. And he said during the interview he had just done it. So I, my assumption is that you jumped to the conclusion behind the set. They well, were uh, based on how Mike was talking and based on how the interview went. Yeah, I would think that he helped him out. Uh, <laughs> Alex, you said you do some some combat sports stuff down there. Nothing going on in combat sports in Miami now, right? Oh boy. Oh, this is the place where people go to <laughs> brawl, right? I mean, yeah, you had Conor McGregor had an incident here within the last couple of years. It was like a year ago, smashing the guy's phone, getting arrested, and. And yeah, now we have uh, now we have Colby Covington, you know, getting getting apparently rushed up on by Masvidal at a steakhouse. This is it, it never ends down here. Like it's getting to be like ground zero when it comes to MMA altercation. Yeah, it was great. Actually, uh, I tweeted that he was out on bond last night at about five in the morning, and Jorge immediately liked my tweet. I was like, okay, bro, go to bed. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, the, the most interesting part about it was like he like a. a Shortly after it happened, he kind of outed himself. He was yeah. like, bra- he was bragging about it. It's like I don't know if you want to brag about what might be potentially a felony charge. I don't know if that's a good idea to be like copping out to the publicly. Dude, he knocked Colby Covington's tooth out, and then Masvidal's agent tweeted out, "Dentistry is a lovely art." Yeah, like you're just you're incriminating yourself, but it's great. I, I don't think they wanted to make a secret of it. I, I, th- I think he like considers it part of his brand. But yeah. the, only, the funny thing about it was, you know, it, it apparently like he said, "Don't ever talk about my kids." And like, listen, I respect that. I'm a dad, and I know that that's going to make anyone angry. But the other part of it is, you were just in the octagon with this guy a couple of weeks ago. Like, you, you already had your opportunity to hit him, and I think he, he actually hit him probably more outside the restaurant <laughs> than he did in the actual fight, where he hit him one time. Nice job. Good way to close, Alex. We appreciate it. Good story to cover. Uh, glad you guys got Tyreek Hill, and uh, he is gone from the AFC West. I was sick of that crap. Oh, I, I hear that. Thanks so much. See you later. There he is, Alex Dono. Fins up. Five, five, yes. Dolphins fan Adam Hill. We're now going to book Dolphin spots probably uh, every other week just to satisfy the new Dolphin fandom of one Adam Hill. Enjoy Bud Light, Budweiser, and Michelob Ultra for just 77 cents throughout March Madness. Get to William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Kathy's heard about our four-foot salamis, and she's got a place to put them. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill. And she's got a place to put them. All right, Johnny, take it easy. 
I've moved on from Supermarket Sweep. I have to admit that. That was the rage. One of the uh, many cool things we talked about during COVID. Uh, Adam Hill, Cofield, Silver Sevens. We're going to get the gambling side of things on the Sweet 16. Also, a look at the AFC West in a couple minutes with our buddy Brad Powers. I feel like we've already done manatee material on this show. It's funny, Ari, uh, when we had the rejoiner all lined up, he's like, oh, blast from the past, going into the archives with the supermarket sweep and the four-foot salami. So am I Am I right? Did we have a – you wouldn't think this show – we just talked to a guy in South Florida, so, like, manatees could be a popular topic down there. Vegas sure. is not manatee – a manatee area. Well – What's going on with the manatee? We do a segment called Fat Pack. It actually is. Are we allowed to say spirit animal? I, I thought on didn't. Uh, yeah, that's canceled. That got canceled, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cultural appropriation. On the morning show? No, in that nationwide. Oh, I thought it was on the morning show on Apple TV. It was actually a, it was actually oh a feature oh of the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah yeah the Cuban uh, weatherman. We got accused of appropriating Native American yeah. culture. Yeah, because he had a spirit animal. Yes, I think you meant our morning show here. No, yes, the morning show on Apple. You're correct. Yes, we could only hope for cancellation there. Um, there's manatee news in. There is. This good positive manatee. News. I was told last night on our podcast, our late night podcast, uh, our Law and Sporter podcast by Judge Dan, that actually because cats are unapproachable and basically a holes, that that should be the show animal. But we, we might have to make room for the manatee. Very approachable here. Okay. We're all very approachable. I don't know what you're talking about. Workers? No. No. <laughs> Quickly answered that one. No, the public. All right. How are manatees doing? Because I know for even when I was a kid and lived in Florida, I know they were you know endangered because uh, we lived on a canal. And the manatees would just they'd go up and down the canals. They'd get just butchered by the... Uh, the boat engines, the propellers. So, are they, are they doing better now? Some well, forty years later. Actually, it's been a, r- a rough run for manatees the last couple of years. A lot of them have been starving to death. What? Yeah. I mean, they did. They do have a little room to lose weight. They are very fat, gelatinous animals. Well, that makes them not really aggressive in going after food. They do kind of just float around. Yeah, and, then, and I thought they're they're herbivores, aren't they? Yes. They don't eat meat. Yeah, it's tough. There's not a whole lot of vegetation down there. Okay. And then you don't want to go to like the bo- the bottom of the ocean. It's so far away. Oh god! It's like ah, these little flippers. So then they just starve because they don't want to go eat it. Body fat percentage is ninety four percent. And they also like the cold is not great either. So like they weather, weather changes. Okay. Yeah. So they leave the the cold water areas. Uh, there's actually like a water treatment plant where the where the water gets a lot warmer. So they all kind of congregate over there, and then they've eaten all the food. Do you want to be eating food out of a water treatment plant? No, but it's warm. You've got to stay warm. You don't want to freeze. What, what is coming out of a water treatment plant that's edible? Not, nothing, and that's why they're dying. So they this started... Is a, this is a sad story. They st- No, it's not. Happy ending. They started throwing uh, heads of lettuce just all over, the, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of heads of lettuce near the manatees. And they devoured every single like, drop of. So they're on the comeback. Well, yeah, they're putting they, healthy weight back on. Apparently, they like they, they expected like okay, they're going to eat some of this lettuce. The manatees ate every drop of lettuce, and the researchers were like, "Wow, they really went through this lettuce quickly." 
They loved it. But they will only eat vegetation, vegetables, right? Like today's yeah. today's National Cheesesteak Day. If there was a local cheesesteak joint in Florida that could give the charity and just throw a bunch of cheesesteaks at the manatees, I mean, I think the manatees, I think the manatees are are so gluttonous that they would throw out their principles and just crush whatever you throw in there. Now that that does sound like an animal for the show. Sure. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's get into it live here at Silver 7s. We're going to step out in about an hour and 15 minutes for Sweet 16 basketball. We want some angles. We want some plays, some leans, some likes. Brad Powers is our guy on Thursdays. Nice enough to come on a little bit early. Brad, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's happening? Well, first of all, uh, you, I guess, what is it, the Iron Sheik and Slaughter, you and Fezzik uh, were on again this morning on your uh, your Bet Prep uh, U.S. show. That's how you say it, right? Bet Prep U.S., not Bet Prep Us? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, what was the big topic du jour? Well, obviously, I mean, we're going over each uh, and every Sweet 16 game. Uh, obviously, you know, the, there's some bets going on, side bets between me and Fez. There's always that, you know, underscore rivalry there but uh now it's just basically previewing all the games that are happening the next all right uh gonzaga has not covered in the first two games or 10 against arkansas you know what i'm gonna go with the over here uh i'm you know i don't want to play gonzaga after i've seen the last couple of games and the reason being i mean we're just not seeing a full 40 minutes of consistency from them if we get it then obviously i think they'd be the side tonight but I don't want to be laying near double digits against an SEC team. But with that being said, the SEC's underperformed so far, uh, and Arkansas has left a lot to be desired. I like the over. Uh, if you look at Gonzaga's couple of tournament games, I mean, even though they weren't totally efficient uh, for all 40 minutes, they still, those two games, flew over the total, and Arkansas runs a higher tempo than Georgia State and Memphis. So over for me. Does it end for Michigan tonight? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson down low is going to give Villanova a lot of problems. But, uh, I mean, I find this interesting. Over the last 10 years, Villanova is number one in college basketball. If you blindly bet on Villanova every single game the last 10 years, you are 60% against the spread. Why is it? Well, number one, they're well coached. If not, I mean, coached by, in my opinion, the best coach in college basketball, Jay Wright. They do all the little things well. Well, what's the little things? Well, how about this? I mean, number one in the country in free throw shooting. Not only number one this year, but Villanova might set the all-time record uh, as far as NCAA basketball as a team. They hit 82.6% of their free throws. And let's say the game plays to, to the spread. I mean, if you've got a four- or five-point game in the last minute, what's Michigan going to be doing? Fouling. Well, I can count on Villanova to make their free throws. So give me the Wildcats tonight. Texas Tech and Duke, the entire world, I think, is cheering for Texas Tech. I hope Texas Tech wins. Texas Tech came out it's my favorite, I think, a little bit higher than people would have thought. I would have thought it was one. I came out two. Saw a lot of money coming in on Duke, kind of turned the other way. Where are you leaning in this game? I'm leaning towards Texas Tech. I mean, I guess call me square, but, I mean, they're the deeper team. They're the more experienced team. And when you look at the average starting age as far as the starting lineups, I mean, Texas Tech per man three years older. I know Duke's way more talented, but I think Texas Tech's better coached. I, I mean, you got a guy in his first year versus a guy in his, what, 43rd? And I'd still take Texas Tech's coach over Coach K. I will say this. A lot's going to I think it's a good live betting opportunity because obviously with Texas Tech is in your face defense. They're number one as far as defensive efficiency in the country. 
But it's going to also be how the ref call, uh, the officials call it. If there's some ticky tack fouls, they're not letting, letting Texas Tech play physical, then that's obviously going to play into Duke's hands. So that, keep an eye on that early on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Coach K, greatest coach of all time. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, at one point, Coach K was great, but I mean, no. That was 30 years ago. At one point, I used to collect baseball cards, too. <laughs> I, I was joking. I never thought Coach K was great. I've never seen his team run anything cohesive it's just a bunch of guys out on the floor yeah i mean he just tries to overwhelm you talent wise now i mean i thought he he had some good schemes back in the day again 30 years ago i mean because i (laughs) i don't think he necessarily had the best talent i mean obviously had like a christian laner but obviously go back to that 91 final four you know he had the better team and the way more talented team so what is going on with the number with uh, Houston and Arizona? One seed against a five, and it's one and a half. Well, I mean, Houston was the most underseeded team in the entire tournament. I mean, it was ridiculously low. Uh, I mean, if you look at the advanced metrics, I mean, Houston, I mean, and Kempom right now, number two overall in the country behind, behind Gonzaga, yet they're a five seed. So and that, I mean, is number one. Number two, Arizona's left a lot to be desired, and so is the Pac-12. And really, West Coast basketball has not looked good if you go through all the games in the NCAA tournament. And big time underachieving. With that being said, you know what? I got guys I rely on in college basketball. College football is you know the one thing that I originate, and I really you know I don't care what anybody else says other than myself for the most part. College basketball, I lean on a few other guys that are involved with it year round. I got guys tell me Houston's a great play. I got guys tell me Arizona's a, a great play. I bet the over. Uh, I mean, I saw TCU's defense uh, offense have some success on the boards against Arizona. I think Houston will have success on the board. So a lean over, very slightly, pizza money. Do you mind uh, laying big numbers? We're talking to Brad Powers, BradPowersSports.com, and Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. Purdue 12.5 tomorrow, Kansas 7.5. The opponents are uh, St. Peter's. And uh, Providence. No, I lean both dogs. I mean, they're not favorite plays of the week for me. But, I mean, let's start with St. Peter's. Uh, I mean, I just, look, obviously they're a 15 seed. They're a 15 seed for a reason. But with that being said, I mean, efficiency-wise, when you look at it, which takes into account your strength of schedule, St. Peter's got top 30 defense in the country in efficiency. I mean, it, it is a legitimate defense. And, Man, I really question Purdue's defense on the other end. So, for, for having such a big spread there, St. Peter's got the much better defense. So, I'll lean with them in that game. The other game, look, I'm not a big fan of Providence. They're overrated. But the market knows that. I mean, that's why they were only a two-point favorite in the opening round game against the 13-seed South Dakota State. I mean, it was the lowest point spread we've ever seen in a 4-13 matchup. And they just exceed expectations. The one team I haven't been that impressed with even though I think they got a really easy run here the, the, towards possibly the Final Four is Kansas. A couple of different times, I think home run spots for them, they've left a lot to be desired against the TCU uh, team a couple of weeks ago. And then against Creighton, without two of their starters, banged up off an overtime game that they shouldn't have won against San Diego State. I just, I'm not a believer in Kansas, so give me Providence tomorrow. You mentioned college football is uh, you know your true cup of tea. I saw you did some brief write-ups, some notes on early spring games like Missouri and Georgia Tech. Yes, I'm already into it. I mean, spring's already wrapped up for a few teams, and boy, in a couple weeks, I mean, you're talking about 30, 40 spring games per Saturday. So I'll be full-time college football here in a couple weeks. I mean, as far as those two teams, I know the listeners probably don't care, but Georgia Tech, I'll tell you, I'll give you a real quick 
Let's know. Final season for their head coach, Jeff Towns. Three and nine would be my prediction there. Missouri, great recruiting class, but you're going to have to give it a year. I think they'll flirt right around with bowl eligibility. Okay. Uh, USC, I saw Colin Coward tweet something out about one of the greatest practices ever. He was clearly trolling, and there were a bunch of morons who took it seriously. Um, You do believe SC is going to have a big step up and could be one of the more improved teams in the country? I do, but I also tweeted this, and I think it could come into play. I think USC could be easily one of the top five, if not the most improved team in the country this year, but still possibly the most overrated team in the country. I mean, there's a lot. You look at the Vegas early market as far as the future of some national championships. Uh, I mean, USC's getting rated like a top 10 team. They're not a top 10 team. Uh, I mean, I get it. You know, Lincoln Riley's uh, you know, bringing a lot of excitement. They got a great transfer quarterback. They still need a lot of help with the line of scrimmage as far as I'm concerned. So I think they could be a top 25 team, but they're definitely not a top 10 team. We only got a slight peek at what NIL could mean for college football last year. Are you telling me that deals in place for a Tennessee quarterback recruit could net him millions and millions and millions of dollars, like like five million plus? Yeah, I mean that's the word. Uh, the rumor is eight million, four years, eight million. Uh, so that's a five-star quarterback, top ten overall player in the country. I mean, I know Arch Manning and some of the other quarterbacks are getting a lot of love, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to become more and more prominent. Uh, I'll say I'm worried uh, as far as uh, – let, let's talk the locker room real quick. I mean, I got a guy – I'm, I'm an offensive lineman. You know, I got a couple of, you know, barbecue deals at the local restaurant. I'm making 20000 or 30000 And I'm blocking for a guy, uh, and maybe I'm a fifth-year senior making that, and I'm blocking for a guy that's making $2 million. I just that, – that, that's an interesting dynamic in the locker room. Even an assistant coach. Say you're, you're, you're an uh, assistant coach, you're a right. position coach in the SEC, you've been there for 10 years, and you're making 500000 and you're telling me a kid 18 years old is going to make more than you? Chemistry issues, no doubt. You know, that could happen. Um, I, I do look at it uh, generally glass overflowing. I love that the Alabamas of the world and Ohio States of the world might be mad, their fans might be mad, and it's like, yeah, now everyone else gets to do what you were doing. <laughs> potentially, yeah. potentially. Hopefully it creates parity, but I, Nick Saban needs to retire if you want parity in college football. That is going to help. Once the cycle is over, that is going to help. All right, Brad, we appreciate it. Thanks for covering out some time for us. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. Are you mad about that? $8 million potentially no. over four years for the Tennessee quarterback recruit? No. Right? Good for them. The other schools are mad because it's like you, and the other the other part of it is um, Alabama and Georgia can't take five quarterbacks. The kids want to play, and yeah. if they can get if they can get a good NIL deal, then literally the wealth gets spread. But there's going to be I think players will go to more schools that all stockpile at one freaking school. Yeah, I mean I think, you got to yeah. play to make your money, really. Yeah, for the most part, unless unless some huge booster is like it goes the other way, and somebody has like a billion dollars, and they're like, hey, we'll pay you. Five million a year to sit on the bench here, so that we keep you away from this other school and we win conference titles. Like that could happen, and if it happens for the kids, good for the kids. Twenty-two ounce Bud Light, Budweiser, or Michelob Ultra, plus two hot dogs and two bags of chips, all for just seven seventy-seven at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino.